listeners, and welcome to PPRO Payments Radio, a podcast brought to you by PPRO. PPRO builds local payments infrastructure designed to help businesses gain access to new markets and new customers. PPRO powers local payments for PSPs, banks, payment gateways, and enterprises with payments platforms. My name is Megan Johnson, your host of Payments Radio, and today I have the pleasure to chat with James Booth, VP Head of Partnerships and MIA at PPRO, and Tristan Chipani, VP Partnerships Head of APAC at PPRO. So today we're going to get the PPRO perspective of all things to do with 11-11, Singles Day, and looking a bit further into what the future holds for these large e-commerce shopping events. Yeah, so welcome, James and Tristan. Very, very happy to have you on today's episode. Thanks for thanks for having us on today, Megan. It's great to be back on the podcast. Yeah, this is going to be a great discussion. I'm excited for this. There are some wild numbers coming out of all of these campaigns. Um, so looking forward to this discussion. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is the season. Our last um, Payments Radio episode focused on Pink Friday, an initiative happening within uh, Western Europe. So... It's always good to get the global perspective and yeah we know that kind of 1111 is really the foundation and kind of one of the catalysts for a lot of these different um, days that we're seeing pop up all around the world so let's get um, into the the meat of things so what is 1111 um, for those of us who may have heard of it but aren't entirely familiar what's what's the meaning and what's the origin sure so look in China, 11-11 is also commonly known as Singles Day, um, really because it resembles four sticks, right? You can see that. Uh, and it's a term commonly used to reference you know, single people, bachelors, bachelorettes. Uh, but really in the early 90s, uh, where this came from was a group of Chinese college students you know, really popularized uh, November 11th as a sort of anti-holiday, you know, a celebration aimed at fighting the negative attitudes and stereotypes to, uh, of being single, right? Which is... Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, it obviously was and, and really much it still is an issue for those growing up under kind of the one child policies of the 1980s and only really ending in 2015 in China. And it was an act of marketing, you know, now uh, with retrospect, you know, an, an act of marketing genius, uh, the Alibaba chairman and CEO, Daniel Zhang, you know, chose this little kind of little known holiday to market one of Alibaba's new business units at the time called Tmall, which was an internal uh, you know, domestic Chinese-focused marketplace you know, and really encouraging single people to treat themselves and buy something on this day. You know, but then, you know, it went global in 2010 uh, and the 11-11 shopping festival, you know, really just started with 27 merchants on the marketplace right? and it grossed less than 10 million in sales. You contrast that to this year, they had about 290,000 brands participating in this year's event. You know, that includes actually 39,000 international brands um, and a statistic that I would love to see and I was trying to find. But because a lot of these brands and companies are, you know, small to medium-sized businesses, you know, Alibaba themselves estimate around uh, 65%. Um, I would love to see the statistics about the number of millionaires that were created just in the first hour, held just the first 10 minutes of the event. Yeah, that's um it's it's very interesting. I mean, I wasn't aware that it dates that far back. Um James, I mean, is there anything in Europe or the UK that comes close to um the scale in in your opinion? 
No, in my opinion, uh, there's nothing really that comes close to the scale. Um, I mean, obviously, the closest the closest event or the closest sales day would be uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, which in itself is still um, a massive sales day for a lot of Western brands. Um, and it's, it's quite global in its nature. But if you look at just the scale of Singles Day compared to any other scale event, any other sale event, it really just doesn't compare, which is uh, which is the amazing thing about this event. It it really has just eclipsed any other sales sales event in the world, um, and it's starting to become more popular in other regions, not only in China, but we're even starting to see other brands outside of. Chinese brands and and the Tmall platforms and we're starting to see a lot of this a lot of these sales days even just happening on standard Western brands in Europe in Africa and in other regions which is which is quite amazing to see. Yeah, and, and I've mean, got some numbers on this. This is this you know I love these numbers. They are they're wild, <laughs> right? This year's 2021 event, they recorded 84.5 billion in sales. <laughs> Right, that is ten billion more than the two thousand and nineteen annual GDP for Luxembourg, right, a small Western European country. Now, I have got some numbers to compare that against, uh, you know, the Black Friday or the, you know, the whole festival or whole kind of shopping event around Thanksgiving. You know, last year the kind of the Thanksgiving weekend, right, the, you know, in all the sales, Black Friday, Cyber Monday over the weekend, that grossed about. 22.1 billion, right? So if you take the amount that Alibaba grossed this year for 11.11, it was almost four times that amount. Yeah, which is which is crazy. And and it's also taking into an account there's even well, what we've seen at, at Peeper, and I think even just general within the e-commerce landscape, we've even seen a little bit of a slowdown in the growth. So the growth was maybe not a, not as high as high as what, what was expected, but the numbers are still absolutely astonishing. Um, you look at, um, I mean, Tristan, you're you're closer to the region than myself, but you look at um, all of the China's carbon neutral pledges that they've put into the sales day this year. You look at the general trend within China towards common prosperity. That really didn't didn't hamper the growth that much. It was still quite amazing. Maybe not as high as what analysts expected, but still unbelievable. Yeah, I, I do chuckle um, at uh, you know a sustainability theme in an event designed to maximize <laughs> human consumption. Right. Yeah. Um, I saw a, I saw a piece from Greenpeace um, around the 2017 double event or double eleven event. Um, and they were estimating that it generated around 52.4 metric tons of carbon dioxide, you know, primarily from the delivery and transportation and packaging materials. Uh, and we all know that you know, low-cost retailers usually opt for low-cost non-recyclable uh, materials for packaging. It produces a concerning amount of waste. Yeah, so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a vicious cycle. Even though you're promoting it even more, maybe you're promoting brands that might have more of an eco friendly twist or even some form of eco friendly packaging. But it's still such excess. It's still just a lot, <laughs> a lot of consumption occurring in such a short amount of time. But yeah, but look, I, I did like the focus on sustainability this year. Um, you know, even though this was probably driven more by Beijing 
um, than the altruistic nature of a large profit-seeking corporation. No, but for example, you know, instead of a focus on the kind of rolling ticking tally of, uh, of the number of transactions uh, during this year's 11-11 event, uh, which they usually do, uh, Alibaba did things like urged viewers to uh, really focus on, on green-focused live streams. You know, and in one example, uh, which I loved, you know, they were urging viewers to, to like you know, one of these live streams, um, and it, it essentially helped raise about $150,000 for an elephant reserve. And, you know, the green theme was certainly central to the event, right? This year, almost uh, 100% of the packaging from Kanyao, uh, which is their in-house logistics supplier, was biodegradable. You know, they had a dramatic increase in the program that looked at driverless vehicles and electric vehicles. You know, they delivered over a million packages in the first 10 days of November using this technology. Um, and then they, they, you know, even Kanyao has uh, has set up their own recycling centers. You know, they set up, I think, it was about eighty thousand odd recycling centers across China. Uh, they even gamified recycling um, because as consumers recycled, they got kind of green energy points, which they could use for this, that, and the other thing. Um, and there was even a green friendly vertical on Tmall this year, which had more than half a million products. I think with a green product certification. Um, from more than 2,000 merchants. So actually, all jokes aside, it probably is making a bit of an impact because yeah. it's happening on scale. Because certainly in, in Europe, US, and, and let's say more Western, Western economies, they're still really focusing on the sales day as a whole, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or Valentine's Day, or whatever the sale they want to push. And I I haven't seen the same sort of push for sustainability and eco-friendly packaging from the big marketplaces in Europe or the US. It's maybe more subdued and something that they're trying to constantly work on versus a big push. So it's it's certainly more in your face, which is good to see. I mean, I think too, the thing that surprised me is my question was going to be around, okay, are they making an initiative to actually like provide recycling centers, which they are, which I think is fantastic because I don't know, for example, here... You know, in, in Germany, it's not like during Christmas time, there's extra, you know, waste buckets and, you know, then people just get a bit lazy and, you know, aren't recycling properly and, and things just get, you know, tended to in the wrong way. So, yeah, I mean, initially, James, also, I was a bit skeptical, but it seems like they're really looking to kind of, yeah, have this holistic um sustainability way of doing things. And I mean, I think, you know, gamifying recycling is, is it's, uh, it's really interesting. Tristan, were they doing anything around, um, were any percentages of like proceeds or anything going to any sustainability charities or they haven't taken that step yet? No, there were certain verticals, as I said, that did have a focus on sustainable products. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, they were doing that by promoting certain brands, certain products, um, within, you know, uh, actual specified verticals that were certified uh, as green products. Yeah. Uh, so there certainly was a big focus. But, you know, you, you can't take away uh, from the, the fact that, you know, that is a major focus of the Chinese government at the moment, right, around so Beijing. Um, and if you look at Alibaba, they've, they've had a bit of a rough year. Right? And we were talking about an e-commerce giant that was fined well, a record 2.8 billion for monopolistic behavior in April, right? And these regulators have now canceled an IPO. They've carved up various divisions within the company, separating them from the group. 
uh, government's mandated, you know, access to certain data sets, you know, and its, and its founder, Jack Ma, which is probably China's highest profile uh, entrepreneur, you know, he's very much retreated from public view after criticizing the Chinese regulators about a year ago now. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I want to touch upon one topic. Um, so I think, James, you briefly mentioned that, you know, while the numbers are quite big, the the growth may be slowing down a bit. Um, why? What's happening? Why are we seeing perhaps like a, a plateau, if that's an accurate assessment of um, 11-11 and maybe some of these more broader, um, you know, shopping days? Well, I mean, I think it's 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 still a bit early to tell because we'll see what's what's going to happen um, when Black Friday and Cyber Monday hits. But at least the indications we're seeing are, are towards a little bit of a slowdown. I mean, in in, in China in particular, um, there, there's been a general crackdown on tech companies um, that have maybe left some of the main players a little bit subdued and, and, and cautious um, towards some of their practices. As we mentioned, China's carbon neutral pledges have maybe affected the way uh, the way consumers shop. Um, and also, lastly, there's been quite a big campaign against um, social inequality, um, and uh, I can't remember the word, but it's 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 really a drive towards common prosperity, um, and it's a bit of a more of a, a balanced approach to life, which is maybe subconsciously changed the shopping behaviors of of um, a lot of the population. That, in my opinion, has maybe caused it to be a little bit subdued. But Tristan, you're you're a little bit closer on the ground to me. Um, that would be my take on the scenario. Yeah, and, and I can add my two cents um, or one cent if we're talking about a slowdown. Um, uh, you know, Alibaba's eleven eleven has really become like a closely watched gauge of consumer sentiment in China now. Right, it's the world's second largest economy. Um, and yes, you know, this year's event experienced slower growth uh, than you know, last year, which was around 25%. This year was around 8.5%. Now, analysts were expecting up to 15% growth. So certainly missed those uh, in terms of the you know, high growth that we've seen in the past. Um, and this isn't just happening in China, right? I mean, we've seen Amazon and their Q3 results miss expectations you know, they've signaled that online sales are growing uh, after the kind of pandemic surge that we saw. Um, so, you know, now people are going on holiday, right? They're uh, eating in restaurants. Um, they're not spending, they're not cooped up in their house, um, you know, trying to get their uh, endorphin hits by uh, shopping online, you know, buying shiny things to get their dopamine hits. And we're seeing... Yeah. This in, in, in all countries, right? US, UK, Netherlands, we're all seeing a dramatic downturn in the levels of e-commerce seen during the real kind of height of the pandemic. Um, but what is important though, you know, yes, we're seeing a slight decrease in the growth rate of e-commerce, but those levels of e-commerce remain well higher than they were predicted to be pre-pandemic. You know, consumer behavior is sticky. People have got used to shopping online more and using digital forms of payment a lot more during the pandemic. And I'm sure that behavior is here to stay. Yeah. And and just, just to reiterate, I I don't mean this in a I don't mean that in a negative way. I think I think 20% year over year growth is is unsustainable in the long term. So it was definitely not here to stay. So I completely agree with Tristan. I think it's rebalancing the expectations um, and it's it's a moving towards a new way of life or well, our old way of life, a standard way of life. If anything, it's a bit of a positive 
for for society as a whole. Um, it'll be interesting to see if it's the same um, in Europe and the US. I think these holidays have been stretched out a bit, or the sales days have been stretched out a bit, which make the numbers a little bit more difficult to to gauge at this point in time. We'll know later in December um, if it's on the same trajectory, but I would expect it would be a similar growth rate, less than last year, but still record-breaking years. And James, I love that term stretched out a bit because it, you know, it makes me think that if you know, and maybe this is more of a uh, an Asian phenomenal or phenomena. Um, but you know, I almost feel as if there's becoming a little bit of consumer fatigue when it comes to these types of events, right? If you look at all of the events that are happening throughout the year, I mean, we now have uh, you know nine nine, we have ten ten. You know, next month we're going to have a twelve twelve. We've just had 11-11. We've got Black Friday. We've got um, Cyber Monday. Um, you know, there are other events throughout the year, specifically to Alibaba as well. They have an annual uh, anniversary event. Um, you know, beginning of the year, they have a brands event and they have a summer event. Uh, there seems to be a shopping event for every day of the week at the moment. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a big shopping platform here um, called uh, Shopee. Uh, and they literally have the 25th of every month is a shopping sale. So consumers are just getting a bit fatigued when it comes to you know, uh, these big sale events. Yeah, completely agree. I, well, I think they're, they're, they're really fatigued and also they've just bombarded with constant sales. So it's a measuring e-commerce or measuring appetite within such a short period of time is becoming less relevant. Um, we shouldn't be looking at it within a day or a week period, we should be looking at it over, over a long-term period. I mean, myself, I've just been absolutely bombarded the past week or two with Black Friday and Cyber Monday and pre-Christmas sales. I think the amount of emails that I've unsubscribed to this week <laughs> has been a record. I always find this, this time of the year, I get completely bombarded with sales. I almost try to ignore most of them and then I figure out where I actually want to shop. So in many cases, I... I yeah, I agree. I think consumers are a little bit tired and they're just rebalancing their lives and, and their, their shopping patterns and how they how they go about their lives. But you're right, Tristan, you, may, you, you said earlier on, we're rebalancing the way we live, but the digital shopping, e-commerce, online shopping is still at record levels and it continues to grow. Maybe not at, at the, the same rate we expected this year, but we're, we're on a rising tide that's rising quite rapidly still. Yeah, I wish I could remember. There, there was a report that came out, I think, in uh, the early stages of, of 2019 as the pandemic was really starting to take grip and we were seeing this just surge in e-commerce and surge in demand for uh, digital forms of payment, you know, e-wallets and, and others. And in, in fact, in, in markets like Indonesia, you know, the government was paying consumers to activate e-wallets, literally giving them, I think it was the equivalent of $8 at USD, you know, to activate a wallet for the first time. Um, same thing in India, where they've been, you know, cutting the MDR, uh, the merchant discount rates, down to zero for some forms of electronic payment. Um, so we're really seeing that uh, that that behavior continue. And, and going back to what I was saying, I wish I could find that report, and, and maybe we can find this after the fact. Um, but there was a report that was published that mid two thousand and nineteen was saying that the e commerce Current levels of e-commerce weren't predicted for another, you know, four or five years, uh, and that was last year. Um, so we have leapfrogged 
in terms of the, the levels of e-commerce and, and the consumers participating uh, in, in global e-commerce, we've leaped on three, four, five years because of the pandemic. Yeah. So how do you stick out from the crowd? I mean, I guess, I guess in, in, in China with the, the push for carbon neutrality, that's, that's a strategy that they're using. They seem to be working very well. I've noticed, I mean, one thing, just to go back to the topic, I've noticed there's been a lot of campaigning, a lot of marketing around it, but there's been a slight change in some of the regions in Europe. So for example, in, in the Benelux region, uh, Payconic, which is a, um, a local paper method in this region, this year, instead of doing Black Friday, they are actually calling it Pink Friday, which is a charity campaign. Every person that pays with that payment method um, would get um, a certain portion refunded into their re-wallet to promote them shopping on certain websites. So it's, it's, it's maybe a trend we'll see more and more as the years go by. Instead of big sales days and discounts, it's charity promotions, um, eco-friendly promotions and, and, and other types of campaigns, which is great, I think. I think, I mean, if you look at Shopify with their ShopPay, you know, one of the the key kind of USPs of ShopPay is that you have the option to kind of select a more sustainable way to have the good um, delivered to you as a, as a shop. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good prediction. I think that this will be a way, um, you know, to stand out. Okay, so just wanted to bring kind of PPRO into the whole context of um, Singles Day. I know there's a very interesting story about a mountain and a, a CTO. Um, so Tristan, how, how does PPRO prep for um, such a huge event like this? And, and what's PPRO's involvement in, you know, facilitating the success of such a day? Sure. So this kind of event uh, creates stresses on payments infrastructure that if you're unprepared for it, it's going to knock you for six. You know, um, referencing your story, you know, I remember uh, during PPRO's very first 11.11 event supporting Alipay and AliExpress about six years ago now, um, a popular, you know, market dominant uh, European local payment method suddenly went offline because their automated transaction monitoring programs thought it was under a DDoS attack. You know, we had to literally get a CTO down from a mountain into the office to go and fix their systems. You know, and what's happening in this first minute of the event, which is very unique, that doesn't happen during Western events, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or other Western known shopping events, uh, is that you'll see a wall of incoming transaction requests as consumers are trying to check out all of the items in their baskets, which they've kind of accumulated over some sort of pre-sales period, right? And it really is a race to check out to ensure that you capture uh, the savings, right? Or limited number of items or early bird coupons. You know, in 2019, this hit an eye-watering 544,000 transactions a second at peak. So really, you know, every year, PPRO has to work very closely with all of our payment methods, around 120 odd that are currently on our infrastructure, you know, especially those local payment methods that are experiencing 1111 for the first time, really to ensure that they are ready for some of these sales campaigns. James, any, any, anything to, to add? No, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have any, any great stories about having to... <laughs> Pull, pull CTOs for down a 
down a down a mountain uh, because of a wave of, of sales. Uh, I mean, I do agree with with Tristan. I think the patterns we see um, from other large merchants and other marketplaces are very different to the tsunami wave that you generally get from the sales dates. Um, we, we we sometimes see a more gradual um, rise um, and maybe a more more of a sustained peak over the sales period. Um, so to a degree, it's a little bit more manageable. But nevertheless, I think the preparation that um, we do in Europe and, and also for some of the American merchants is more around optimizing the conversion, ensuring that there is absolutely no planned downtime during the sales days. We we reach out to all of the payment methods, even some of the banks behind the payment methods to ensure that they're not planning any maintenance, they're not they're not doing anything unexpected and they're almost freezing all of their code for that period of time because it's, it's, I mean, we've had experiences where we've had key banks in certain countries that process a large chunk of their transactions, schedule plan maintenance in the middle of a Black Friday sale. I mean, I think uh, from a, from a planning perspective, whoever planned that probably didn't expect it to occur, yeah. but in some cases, these things just go in motion, and 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 um, large organisations or banks or some payment methods don't pick that up. So we're very proactive, and and we have to ensure that that doesn't occur. So from a preparation standpoint, we tend to prepare for these events weeks in advance um, by having lots of conversations with all of our suppliers and and our, all of our infrastructure partners. Of course. Okay. Um, so then I'd like to wrap up um, with some kind of predictions. Um, I guess, wh- what does the future hold um, first for uh, Singles Day, 11-11, and, and also, I think, for the broader e-commerce space? Let's say, you know, if you could, uh, if there's one thing you think will happen, say, five years from now, where we're talking again in, in five years, what, what will be the biggest change or, or difference? Uh, Tristan, let's, let's start with you. Sure. So, uh, look, if you look at some of the announcements, um, you know, coming out of uh, Zuckerberg, um, I think we're all going to be in the metaverse. Uh, <laughs> this will all be a lot more virtual than it is today. You know, we'll be literally sitting there with our VR goggles on, you know, really looking at products, picking them up, turning them around. Um, so it'll be, I think, a lot more virtual uh, uh, in the future. You know, we've already seen a lot of gamification coming out of uh, the uh, particularly the Asian uh, marketplaces and merchants, I think that trend will continue uh, and build into you know Western merchants. Um, but really, as we were saying before, I think you, you know e-commerce is uh, as as James put it, a rising rising tide. Uh, it's going to continue to grow. These uh, numbers that I love, you know, that I just find so fascinating, the scale of these events, they'll continue to grow. Uh, you know, they'll continue to eclipse uh, small uh, Western European countries' annual GDP. Uh, and, and we'll really see a lot more merchants take part in these global events uh, than we are seeing at the moment. Great. Thanks, Tristan. James? Um, I mean, I, I completely agree with Tristan. Um, I think to, to a similar degree, I, I, I think we're we're, we're going to see these trends continue. Um, I do agree that shopping is going to be more virtual, going to be more integrated. I think things like um, social shopping, um, shopping on social media or even um, uh, through t- 
TV, for example, you see things on a certain show. If you're wearing VR goggles, you can pick it out and maybe um, um, maybe interact with it in that way. So for me, the 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 theme is you know people are, and actually in general, we've always talked about e-commerce and online commerce, etc. In ten years' time, it's just about commerce. It's just about digital commerce. So I think the lines between brick and mortar commerce, e-commerce, and the metaverse and whatever it is is going to be so blurred that it's all going to be um, it's all going to be a kind of a um, um, a single experience that we're, we will will participate in. If I knew exactly what that would look like, I I'd probably be retired now. Um, <laughs> but yeah. um, I see us continuing moving in that direction. Okay, I think we should we should all catch back up in about five years. Potentially, maybe we're in the metaverse when we're doing this, and and let's see what's what's hold true in terms of the predictions. Um, so yeah, great. That wraps up our episode. Um, James and Tristan, thank you so much for taking the time to yeah share insights around what happened this year, um, broader trends within e-commerce, as well as these um, yeah big events. And I hope that. Um, a lot of other brands kind of take a note um, on the sustainability push and um, yeah, I think really think through how um, things such as, you know, opening up recycling plants, biodegradable packaging, um, a push more for, for green products um, could help make these days uh, more sustainable given that they're probably not going away anytime soon. Thanks, uh, James and Tristan. Thank you for having us. Great. Let's go.